Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jackson McMurray. And I'm Alan McMurray. And, th- and this is... Chili Dogs! This is No Nerds Allowed. <laughs> and there are no nerds allowed. <laughs> I feel like that includes us now, because that was bad. <laughs> I don't know. I could edit that into something workable. Like so that. it our own <laughs> reputation. <laughs> This movie's weird. I feel like... No, wait, we can't start with the we movie. Can't we can't talk, talk about I want to talk about it, though, because I've got opinions. We, we'll get to the opinions. And I just, I woke, I just woke up from a nap, so I got... I'm raring to go. Okay, hold on. I do... I am set on having an intro, though. Okay. So we could just take another run at that. So I just had a nap. Cool. How was it? It's good. <laughs> I made myself some waffles, and then I took a nap. It's been a good day. I definitely, uh... I definitely ate a bag of chips this morning. Jackson. Uh, what kind of chips? I also made myself eggs, so... Chips and eggs? Did you eat I them I made at the myself same time? eggs, and I ate them, and then I decided I was still hungry, so I ate a bag of uh, baked Lay's potato chips. Okay. See, baked, baked Lay's count as breakfast. If you were, like, Doritos, I'd be like, no, that yeah. doesn't count as breakfast. What if they were regular Lay's? Do those count as breakfast? Those one count. The fact that they're baked makes them breakfast. Okay, gotcha. You know, um, you know the, like, because I really like the baked Lay's, you know, like, even though they're, like, the low-fat option, um, I think I liked they're... the baked Lay's. Yeah. We all liked the baked Lay's. We all liked Jackson. the baked Lay's. I'm just saying I feel like that might not be a popular opinion because nobody ever, like, gets them for things, and I think they're super good. But whenever I'm like, oh, they're a little bit expensive, maybe I'll go for something cheaper, and I look at the, like, Lay's stacks, the ones that come in, like, a tube, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm always like, yeah, those are, like, kind of the same. You know, they're not quite as good, but they're comparable. Yeah. Um, And I get them, but I always forget um, that uh, they give me horrible, horrible diarrhea every single time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, because I I don't know what the difference is between Lay's stacks and (laughs) big Lay's. One is called Baked Lay's, so one can assume that they were baked instead of whatevered. I deep guess fry? the... Do they deep fry the, chips? Uh, or just regular fry? Them, what's the difference between them oil. Yeah, what's the difference between deep fry and regular fry? Does deep fry, like, require, like, a bread? That's when it's, like, battered, yeah. There's, like, bread on the outside of it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think the I think the Lay's stacks are like the the slurry kind of chips. Well, where I they think like... they're all slurried. I don't think that's true. Yeah, because they slur. Well, because they're not just potatoes cut real thin, because they don't look like potatoes cut real thin. I think all chips are slurries. I am gonna contest you on that. What do you mean okay. they don't look like potatoes? Because they don't have thin? the skin on the outside. I guess they could be peeled, but they still don't. Yeah, look Yeah, they like peel it. the potatoes first. Hold on. How it's made. I think all chips are slurried. Potato chips. How it's made. Potato chips. Here we go. How they do it. I'm watching an ad for Grammarly. 
Who done it? Oh, this is actually from How It's Made. I missed that show. Is it still on? I think so. This is like a five-minute video, so I'm going to cut to the chase. Okay, there's potatoes. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm just yeah, looking at... Yeah, they cut slices, they cut slices. I'm just looking at the news feed that like comes up on my homepage on my computer, and it's just like, Fox apologizes for saying that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so they <Okay>. fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, let's see what the comments are like on this video about how they eat potato chips. Uh, I bet it's I bet it's like the, you know, the famous Tumblr post where it's like, this is what McDonald's chicken nuggets are made out of, and it's like the goo from Teletubbies. Right. Yeah. I bet it's like that. Where it's like, how could people eat this? Uh, Lightning Boys says, I am eating that right now. <laughs> he sure is. Good for him. I'm glad he got a snack. Sam is life says, how TF are they not completely crumbled by the time they reach the bagging? As rough as those machines are. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. I've been, uh, whenever I listen to video game music on YouTube, I like to, like, scroll through the comments on them, and they're always so good. Because it's always, <laughs> like, nine-year-old kids being like, um, this is the best song ever written. <laughs> this menu screen from Pokemon Coliseum best song ever written no other song is ever gonna be as good (laughs) i wish i was born in 2008 (laughs) (laughs) wait hold on (laughs) i was i was eight in 2008 that was 10 years ago that's just a little less than 250 Okay, anyway. Yeah. I feel like we've got enough material here. Do you want to move on to the cool. movie? <laughs> we've got enough goofs. Let's get down to business. <laughs> um, we watched Bird Box this week. Uh, yeah. I picked out this movie mostly because uh, I wanted to have seen it because it seems like, you know, a pretty big cultural yeah, it's moment the hot right, goss now. right now. Uh, but I knew I would never watch it if I didn't have a specific reason to be doing so. I feel like I should have seen A Quiet Place. Because I feel like this movie is exactly like The Quiet Place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Except not effective. Yes. Well, I don't know. I, it's weird to me the way that this whole thing shook out because A Quiet Place started production. Let me check real quick. Yeah, you should just have Google open. <laughs> um. Don't get screwgled. Use Bing. Okay, in January 2016, uh, they started writing the script, uh, and they started filming in November of 2017. Mm-hmm. Bird for Box. For Quiet Place? Yeah, for A Quiet Place. Um, I'm looking for the movie, not the book. Oh. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing, is that it is based on a book, which, uh, Quiet Place is not. Um... Okay, they started filming this in October of 2017. Oh. So that literally was just, like, at the same time. Yeah. It's like Megamind and Despicable Me. It's just, they're <laughs> right, just yeah. both gonna happen at the same time. But that's the thing about it, is that, it's, I think it's just an unfortunate coincidence at the end of yeah. the day. Because, um, you know, and Bird Box is based on a book, which Quiet Place is not. Quiet Place is just an original story. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, visually and thematically and 
plotly, they're like very much the same. Okay. So in A Quiet Place, do they ever show you the monster? Oh, yes. Very much so. That's I what wish it, uh, this A movie... lot of people didn't like about The Quiet Place was that they're like very explicit about the monsters. They're like, check out this monster. Here it is. And people were like, well, now now it's not as scary. Well, th- this movie was so... a bird, The bird, bird Box was so ineffective in its monster. I wasn't afraid of the monster. Like... It was scary when people killed themselves, and that was, like, the only horror element, and the people being freaked out was scary. But, like, I don't know. I wasn't afraid of the monster. Because yeah. I feel like, like, with sound, it's impossible not to make sounds. So that's really, really scary. But not looking at something is kind of easy. Like, they literally put <laughs> right. bandages on their face, and then the whole problem is solved. And then the way that they get around that is they invent the people that try to take your masks off. Right, And they don't yeah. explain that ever. Right. How did these people yeah. get possessed? Why are they doing this? Why are they different than the people who died? We're not going to tell you. <laughs> Fuck you. Right. Well, and the thing about it is that, like, they could have gone... I wish they would have leaned into the whole, like, drawing pictures of the monster thing. Yeah, they did that once. And a lot earlier. Yeah. Because... At the end of the day, what I always say for, like, uh, showing the monster too much is the Babadook, in which the first half of the movie, you get all those creepy, like, children's book drawings of the Babadook, yeah. and it's scary as hell. Like, oh, hell yeah. It's genuinely I'm never going to watch the Babadook, because it just scares uh, the crap out of me. But then, like, in the last third of the movie, it's just like, he's a guy. Top he's hat. a guy with a white face and a top hat, and he's got long fingers. And you're like, oh, this is super... He's gonna touch you with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't... <laughs> it's, like, super duper not scary. And you're yeah. like, oh, this is... This is nothing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess I wish they would have, like, shown you, like, weird drawings of the monster a lot earlier. More and a lot more than often. that one shot that lasted two seconds and then the shot was yeah, over. Yeah, and they didn't even, like, get you a good look at the pictures either. Yeah, no. I, I really wish they would have shown the monster because I wasn't afraid of the monster and then I never saw it. So I felt like nothing ever got resolved. Yeah. Like, it's just like, there's a monster. Is there? I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> well, they could um, afford to make a monster because there wasn't one. I don't think that's right. I think they made a deliberate decision never to show the monster because that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like the characters can't look at him and you're very much experiencing the story from their point of view. I get it, but that doesn't mean I like it. And plus, like, whatever they designed would never, ever be able to live up to what you yeah. think it might be like. But yeah, yeah, I think if they had given you some more, like, drawings and representations of it earlier, you would have had yeah. a more clearly defined version of what you could imagine it to look like, you know? Yeah. Because like the what... way they do it in the movie right now, it's like it could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. You have no idea. But if they gave you, like, a general blueprint, like, it walks on four legs and it's got a big beak or something like that, yeah. then you'd be like, oh, shit. Like, that's crazy. But you're just like... I don't know, it's a thing. Maybe it's a guy. I don't I don't really know. I just wish this movie explained anything to you because they don't. And yeah, I get that's true. that that's a, that's a huge part of horror is not knowing anything. And like I understand that whatever. But like I don't know. I just felt like I was completely in the dark, but not in a scary way, just like in a frustrating way, you know? Right. Like it's like there's a monster and if you see it you go crazy and it's like okay, why though? What is it? And they're like, oh, it's scary. Well, we won't tell you. And it's like, okay, it's so scary. We won't tell you, viewer. 
But then they have the psych, and then I already talked about this. Like, the not looking at something is super easy. So then they figure it out, they block all the windows, and they cover their eyes. It's like, okay, problem solved. And they're like, no, there are people who saw the monsters, and now they want you to look at it right, spooky. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Why, though? Who are these people? Why didn't they kill themselves? Why are they different from everyone yeah. else that died? And well, Why are they kind sort of, of the a... same? Why? Why? Well, Why, Bird Box? The point of contention about the movie is, like, there's that one, like, kind of throwaway line at the beginning. It's like, the people who got out of the mental institution are walking around, and yeah. it's like, that's a weird thing that is, I don't know, I don't feel like qualified it, to talk about. Like, only crazy people don't yeah. get affected? That's stupid. Um, I but, guess he does uh, talk about how Fish Fingers, or whatever his friend's name was, is like, he was super crazy, but he was nice to me. Oh, so that's only right, crazy yeah. people can look at it? That's, that's just oh, stupid. Yeah. 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 Um, that's dumb. Well, and another thing about it is that, like, from what I've heard, Anna has a friend who really loves the book. Um, mm-hmm. And from what I gather, this is essentially, like, fourth-hand information at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but um, from what I gather, in the book they set it up as, like, oh, you see it, and you go insane, and you try to kill yourself. But it's not that. It's more like the thing itself is so, like, mind-bending and scary to look at that, like, being faced with it, it's not like your mind is being controlled. It's more like you you see it, and, like, it's the only conclusion you can come to. Like, death is better than having to face this thing. And everybody uniformly, you know, comes to that decision when they see this yeah. creature. Does that make sense? That's what I assumed, but again, the movie didn't tell me. Well, the movie very much plays it up like, you know... It forces oh, you to kill it yourself. It forces you to kill yourself, yeah. So I guess I'll just start going through my notes. Uh, the first thing I have written down is uh, Sandra Bullock starts this movie at an 11. Again, yeah, I know. First... No, literally, my first thing is, why am I being yelled at? Why am <laughs> like I the viewer of this movie shot being yelled she's at? Like, you sit down and you will not... I don't even remember what she says. Well, she threatens like... to hurt her children in, like, the first oh, yeah. scene. And I was like, who the hell is this bitch? I don't like her. <laughs> like, don't... Yeah. Don't hurt your kids! Their name are their names are boy and girl, and that's a plot point later, but in that first scene, it's just like, fuck this woman. <laughs> I also um, read down that that opening scene, where it's like all the pictures of the river, and there's the guy on the radio going like, we have a safe place. A community. I was like, okay, I'm already done with this movie. <laughs> this is the most cliche thing I've ever heard. Well, um, and, and the next thing I have written down is, bird in a box, in all caps. Because, yeah. like, right at the beginning, <laughs> they put a bird in a box. I was like, hell yes, we did it. Well, it's like, <laughs> let me yell at my children and threaten to beat them if they make a noise. And let me put these three animals who only scream in a box. It's like... <laughs> I get that it's a plot point later, but that first scene where they tell you nothing, it's like, okay, this woman is terrible and right. also dumb. Okay, um, and then, you know, from there they move on to the flashback where she's talking to Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Um, whose name I only now can remember because I explicitly looked it up before the podcast because Sister. she's in a whole bunch of stuff. And the only thing I can think about is like, oh, it's Kristen Wiig. Oh, that's not Kristen Wiig. That's somebody else. Who's that? <laughs> and it's always her. She's in yeah. Ocean's 8, and she's in this movie, and she's in Glass. And I'm always like, oh, tight, Kristen Wiig. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't like her as much as I like Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, the one I don't like. <laughs> she was really uh, good in this movie, though. She did a good yeah, job. Yeah, no, I did like her in this. Um, <laughs> she saved this movie, honestly. Sarah Paulson? Yeah. 
The, like, sister? No. I'm getting her and the main girl confused. Oh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra the main Bullock. Girl. She did a really good job. <laughs> okay. She um, saves this movie. But there's a line early on where she's like, check out what happened. And she's like, turn to what channel? And she's like, I don't know, pick one. And you can tell that they're, like, trying really hard not to say, it's on every channel. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like, sort of leaning into that cliche and, like, dancing around it simultaneously. And you're like, okay, you could have just said something. nothing written about that whole first flashback. Right. I don't know why. I don't know. It well, just, like, it just, like, made sense. It's like, here's what happened. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, mostly I just said, like, the dialogue is really good in this, but the tone is weird. It's, yeah. like, a little too flip to be, like, menacing, I guess. Like, obviously you know, like, we're leading up to the world ending. And, yeah. like, there's absolutely no sense of that from that little flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really love the line where she's painting and she's, like, um, you know, it's all about people's inability to connect to each other and then she's like can you please get out of my way <laughs> like, yeah. like afterwards i thought that was a super smart line and i thought that was really funny it's because she's um, afraid of connecting with her baby and then she threatens to kill him later in the movie but it's fine <laughs> but yeah that whole scene where it's like scary music and she's like wandering around the house at night and she opens the door and they're having sex which is such a weird scene altogether. it right. was just awkward and okay, i get that uh, was Kind of the point. Well, that's what cranks me up, though, is that there's that moment where she, like, walks in on them, and she's like, oh, and Trevante Rhodes is like, oh, you can't unsee that. It's like, oh, no, two young, hot people having sex. What a nightmare. I'm already (laughs) pregnant. She knows. She knows what (laughs) sex is. Um, Okay, I've got a whole bunch of notes that we sort of glossed over. Okay, I do not have a lot of notes for this movie. um, What's the whole horse thing? What There's... horse thing? What What do you mean, what horse thing? Oh, you... the, I think it's just a metaphor for her sister, because she's, like, raised horses and stuff. I guess, but I don't know. There was so much horse stuff in, like, the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it was definitely then, like... supposed to represent a sister. Okay. There's more horses in this movie than Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> Should we um, ever do one about Batman vs. Superman, or will that just be a train wreck? <laughs> um, what I, I was thinking about this the other day. What I would want to do for Batman vs. Superman would be not a podcast, but a commentary track. That would be fine. I would be totally down yeah, with that. Yeah, because I feel like that's the only way I can rightfully express the way I yeah. feel about this movie. <laughs> like when like... the bat jumps out of the grave, just us <laughs> screaming. Because that's how um... I feel every time I see that scene. For those not in the loop, uh, me and Adeline have a very complicated relationship with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. The best movie on the planet, because it's just complete (laughs) Um, and utter garbage. uh, It's like, no, we have to explain this more. (laughs) We have to stop. It's like 50% really well shot, really thought out, good movie. And then the other 50% is just weird garbage that's hilariously bad. And so combined... (laughs) It makes the most interesting and confusing movie on the planet, and right. it's great. Because uh, I feel like if we just did a podcast about it, Could, I would never wouldn't... be able to, like, thoughtfully communicate Yeah. <laughs> like the way I feel about the entirety of the movie. To just, like, comment on it, like, how it happens, yeah. that would be the best way for me to do that. Well, we, that know, should be that's one we could do, do with... one of these weeks. That should be one that we do with the whole group, with, like, Chloe and Ethan and Keisha and stuff. Yeah, maybe. 
that's just a lot of voices, I think. That's also true, but... Um, okay, but uh, one of the things that I appreciated about this movie is in the moment where they're like, oh, this crazy thing happened in Russia. And then, yeah. like, later, shit starts going down. And they don't, like, play all coy about it. Like, immediately the characters are like, oh, this is the thing. This is the thing that was happening in Russia. It's happening here now. I don't know how, but this that's what it is, you know? Yeah. There's, like, a really nice, efficient leap in logic that a lot of other movies would be like... What? How could that be? Is How is it all the way here from Russia already? That can't be happening. That's not right. This movie is just like, boom. Oh, yep. it's here now. Okay, let's move. You know? And I, I don't know, I really appreciated that. Um, I was also just very, very excited to see John Malkovich and Lorel Howery in this movie, because I had no idea they were going to be in it, and I got very excited when they showed up. <laughs> um, have you seen Burn After Reading yet? No, I haven't. Ugh. I watched, like, the Burn... first, like, five minutes of it, yeah. and I had to do something else. Burn After Reading is my Star Wars. I want to go to Burn After Reading Con every year. <laughs> is um, there a Star Wars Con? What do you mean, is there a Star Wars Con? I'm positive know. that there is. Well, I'm sure there is, but it's not, like, a popular one. No, I don't know if there's, like, a big one, but... Yeah. Um, there's not, like, a Comic-Con of Star Wars, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And Lil Rel Howery is the... He's the comic relief friend in Get Out, who's really good. Uh, and he also has a bad TV show right now, but that's not <laughs> that's that not what I know him from. Is that the weird neighbors one? No, his is the one we didn't even watch it. Uh, but there's like this weird gag in it where he like oh, I can't even remember. I just remember he says something on a subway and everybody in the subway gets all mad at him, like in a way that never ever would happen in real life. Yeah, <laughs> I'll look up the clip later. It's just a really bad show, is what I'm trying to get at. But I it's like, like it real anyway. Rob, where everyone reacts in a way that you would never react. Exactly. Like, recognizing yeah. Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, there's that whole... I didn't like that little monologue that she got when she went back to the house. Uh, Sandra Bullock, I mean. Where yeah. she's like, and then my friend... I guess it's her sister. I didn't catch that it was her sister. My yeah. sister got this look in her eyes and she started to drive crazy. I was like, I was there. Yeah. Like, I don't need this. Like, I know this is your Oscar moment, Sandra Bullock, <laughs> but, like, I I was there. I saw all this. I, I don't need to be told it again. Like, yeah. I'm not questioning, like, within the logic of the story, her telling other people what happened. I'm questioning your decision to keep that in the movie and show it to me a second time. Sorry, I stopped recording for a second. And, yeah, John Malkovich in the very beginning of this movie cracks me up because he's just, like, super bitchy. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just, like... Wow, you killed my wife. Yeah. And he just like stands there his... and looks at her with his big old eyes, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> well, I only know him as like the bunny man from Doctor Who. That's all I know him as. What? Is that not who that is? He looks That's a lot like him. Absolutely not who that is. Are you talking about the guy from that hotel episode? Yeah, from the hotel episode. Zero percent like... who that is. He Are you look sure they're like not the guy. same person? Yes, I'm That's very who I sure. thought it was. Anyway. John Malkovich is in Being John Malkovich. And <laughs> he sure is. I would um, hope so. <laughs> and he's in Burn After Reading, and he's in Bird Box. What else is John Malkovich in? Um, I think those are the only things I know him from. He's really good, though, and he's one of my faves. Um, His character was just super weird all around. Because it was obvious that everyone there hated him. But then there's that weird moment where they, like, have that weird, like, camaraderie. Because it's like, you're like my dad. He's also an asshole. 
And it's like, whatever, they kind of have a relationship. But then at the end of the movie, where the monsters are trying to take her blindfold off, and they're, like, pretending to be Tom, they also pretend to be him for a second, which was just weird, because I felt like they right. kind of didn't have a positive relationship. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you remember that Super Bowl commercial from a couple of years ago, where John Malkovich is like, I want to start a website, johnmalkovich.com, but then it's already taken, and he's like, who the fuck took johnmalkovich.com? And then he, like, writes no. an email. It was like a GoDaddy commercial or something. I'm trying to think about what you would know John Malkovich from. <laughs> the answer is nothing. I thought I knew him from Doctor Who, but that was not who that was. Um, he was in Con Air. He was in Con Air with Bruce Willis and uh, Nicolas Cage. Do you think I saw that movie? <laughs> no. I don't think Bruce Willis was in that movie. I don't know why I, I don't think that. Bruce Willis saw that movie. <laughs> um, he played Lenny in Of Mice and Men once. Oh. Oh, I actually think I saw that adaption. Cool. Anyway, he's really good. I'll send you that Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> it's one of his best works. <laughs> All right. What do I have written John Malkovich Super Bowl commercial. Do you have more stuff in your notes? Because the next uh, thing oh, that yeah, I... for sure. The next thing I've written down is just that the monsters are not scary, and they need to be. Um, oh, the whole thermal camera thing was the worst. Yeah. Like, you just, first of all, it's not a thermal camera. Yeah, it's just a regular-ass <laughs> camera. It's just a security camera. Um, and second of all, uh, the instant he says, I want to look at them on a monitor, you're like, oh, he's going he's gonna to die. Yeah. And they try to build up the suspense like you don't know that he's going to die. Well, maybe he's not going to like, die. And we're like, no, we know. No, he's going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, let me turn my page real quick. Um, oh, I liked... <clears throat> I thought it was smart the way they sort of used some foreshadowing. Um, where, like, there's the two women that are pregnant. And then, yeah. like, in the flashbacks, or flash forwards, I guess... She has the two kids, and you're like, yeah. oh, where'd that second kid come from at first? But then you're like, oh, it's like simultaneously like, oh, that other kid's her kid, but also she's going to die at some point. It's like this cool yeah. little bit of foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the grandma character I love just her. has <laughs> the, that one line that's she's like super creepy, and she's like, I don't like this. <laughs> Do yeah, you remember that? <laughs> No, I don't, but honestly, grandmas are just like that sometimes. I don't even remember what the context was, but there's a brief moment where someone is like, I think we should do this, and she's like, I don't like that! It's like the weirdest, creepiest delivery of that line possible. (laughs) I'm going to try to find that audio and put it in the podcast, because I think it's very funny. I don't like this. I don't think anyone should go... I want to personally thank this movie for all the weird murder horror that they do for not making any pregnancy horror, because I would have turned the movie off. <laughs> I would have jumped ship so quick. Um, the, uh, oh, okay, the car scene is a rad idea. Yeah. They should have kept the camera inside the car the whole time, though. Yeah. The fact that they, like, went outside and, like, showed you that they were running over a guy's head was so dumb. Like, if they had just gone over, like, a bump and there was, like, a gross sound yeah. and Sandra Bullock was like, it's just a speed bump, it would have been super effective and we would have yeah. totally known what was going on and it would have been much just better to watch and more exciting. But the fact that they, like, blatantly are, like, they're running over a guy's head, they're hitting a yeah. telephone pole, oh, there's a car on the road, whatever. 
like, yeah, we like, would have been able to infer all that with a little bit more, I don't know, more careful sound editing and a more ambitious production, I guess. They're so selective of what they show you because they don't want you to see the monster. But then you have all these shots on the inside, on the outside of the car until they start running into the monsters and yeah, then all yeah. the cameras are inside. And it's like, well, you kind of... In this scene, I feel like you should pick one. You should be showing exactly. us what's actually happening, or you should be staying only in the car, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, okay, I hate to be Mr. Plothole. But, no, it's um, fine. <laughs> when they go to the grocery store, and John Malkovich is like, we should just stay here forever. And Sandra Bullock is like, I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm going to take this food back to the people at the house. It's like... You know, you could just go back and get, and those get people. the people and bring yeah. them here. I mean, like, their plan falls apart when they meet Fish Fingers or whatever. But before that, right. that was totally my thought. It was like, yeah, yeah. just go get them. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if maybe that scene was, like, shot in a different order and they had to mix it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, Trayvante Rhodes' uh, very good line... Where Sandra Bullock is like, yeah, it could have been your babysitter. And he's like, eh, my hot babysitter. <laughs> I did really like their relationship. I feel like they built it really well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just have written down WTF, Trayvante. <laughs> I feel like Trayvante Roach deserves better. He was uh, sort of the lead in Moonlight a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And he's super He was like the dad, that. right? No, uh, he was, like, the main character. Because Moonlight, they follow the same kid in, like, three different stages of his life. One when he's yeah. a little kid, and one when he's in, like, middle school, and one when he's, like, an adult. Um, and he's the adult one. And he plays the, like, adult version of uh, Chiron. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and he's super good in that. And that was, like, kind of his breakout role. He wasn't really in anything before that. Uh, and the things that he's been in since then are uh, this movie and The Predator. I'm so sorry. Yeah, just like he deserves so much better. Um, <laughs> this movie has a total Wreck-It Ralph moment when they say like, birds know when the monsters are close because we said so. Yeah. <laughs> and if you cross the finish line, the game resets. Yeah. Uh, well. Which I don't know. I don't think is the worst thing a movie can do. It's better than like not saying it. Yeah. But, like, still, it's just, like, you only are saying that because it, it needs to happen. I wonder yeah. if that's explained more in the book. It's, like, the one time this movie tells you anything, and they tell you in the worst possible way. Yeah. Um, I thought it would have been fun if, I guess, now that I'm thinking back on it, they were very specific about, like, people, only people who have, like, a mental illness become, like, a disciple of the beast or whatever. Yeah. Which is so weird, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, but I kept thinking, like, it would have been super fun if some of the people in the house, like, became, like, crazy disciples. Which yeah. I guess they kind of did later in a different kind of way. Well, that but, um, it wasn't the people that we knew. They just introduced a new guy. Yeah. It's like, hey, he's crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I wrote down Lil Rel should have become a crazy guy. Like, I thought that would have been fun when he, the, the guy who works at the store. Yeah. Uh, that would have been fun if he, like, goes through and then he comes back out and he's like, guys! They would have been like, oh. Yeah. I thought that would have been good, but they didn't do that. Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, they just there's had that him moment... eat him or whatever. Yeah, there's that moment where uh, they cut back to the boat and it's, like, 24 hours on the river. 
And she, like, stops rowing, and she's like, okay, I'm going to take a break. (laughs) You're like, have you been rowing for 24 hours straight? (laughs) Like, she stops rowing for a second, and the kid's like, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like she's just been rowing nonstop. I have to say... That little girl is freaking adorable. Yeah, that little girl's the cutest girl in the world. But when she's Both walking of these around, these kids suck at acting, but that little girl is so cute. I know, but the, when she's like walking around, when she's tied to the boat, and she's like looking for Mallory, and she, she and she keeps going, Mallory. All I have written down is Amelie, because <laughs> she says it with the exact same cadence. She's just walking right, around yeah. going, Amelie, <laughs> Mallory. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what I think is best about this movie is, um, you know, like the interactions between her and the kids near the end of the movie, like that little monologue she has where she's like, if something happens to me, don't try to save me, run and save yourselves. It's like super rough. And I really like that. Um, I didn't, the Hello Kitty present seemed weird. It was a little heavy handed, I felt like. But it was just, like, their relationship doesn't feel like it's come along enough for her to be, like, no. giving her gifts, A. And second of all, like, you could have picked some sort of iconography that was a little more relevant to, like, the themes, I guess. I, like, didn't like understand what Hello Kitty had to do with anything. Like a bird? <clears throat> yeah, like, maybe a bird, perhaps. I don't know, I feel like I would, if they had done that, I would have said it was too on the nose. Yeah. Um, well, in that <laughs> really same vein. Like... Oh, go ahead. When they have the Toms telling them the story, and she's like, stop right now! And it's like a big thing, because she doesn't want them to imagine a better future, and that whole thing, which is a cool scene. But then when he tells her the end of the story, and it's a super lame story, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I climbed a tree, and I saw some birds, and then they flew away, and it's like, wow, cool. (laughs) What an amazing childhood you had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I get it bird theme whatever but that's such a um, lame story right okay and another little note I have just a, a line that I think is hilarious when they both go into labor and Sandra Bullock is like trying to like still do the dishes and pretend like she's not and Trevante Rose comes up behind her and is like okay so the baby's coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just thought that was really funny and I really liked his delivery he's that. like no we're doing this no it's ha- we're doing it <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I have a bunch written about the drawings, about how the drawings were super cool, but they didn't let you get a good look at them, and they should have shown yeah. you that way earlier, and blah, blah, blah. And they were all kind of different from each other, which I thought was strange. I don't know, I thought that was kind of cool. It was more like, maybe there's a bunch of them, and they all look different, or maybe it's yeah. one that's sort of, like, transforming and shifting as it as it moves, or something like that. Yeah. Um. This movie is and... so long. It feels so long. Maybe it's well, because... I think it's it felt long because you were jumping in between the future and the present that you were kind of waiting right. for it to catch up with the present, so you kind of felt how long things took. I don't know. Right. This movie felt very long when I watched it. Okay. So we're coming up on what is, in essence, something that sort of comes out of nowhere, but I still really appreciate. It's kind of my favorite part of the movie, which is, like, they have the conversation that nobody in these, like, apocalypse survival movies ever seems to have which is like why are we doing this (laughs) you know like why is us continuing to survive like this better than us just dying what what kind of lives are we building for ourselves if we continue to live you know that's the one thing especially in like a quiet place and other movies like that like that's a question that nobody asks it's like not part of it you just like it's a given that they're trying to survive at all costs but like 
Trevante Rhodes in this movie is just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we what are we going to do if we survive? What, what is the point of surviving, you know? And it's cool because it's like a, a conversation that they have, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, we have to live because that's all we have or whatever. It's like a, a, a complicated <laughs> question that they have to try to answer, which I think is really cool. They do a really good job of showing you why she thinks these things. She's been afraid of having a child the whole movie, and then she has two children. And then she she sees the world as that whole, the assholes and the people who live. So we kind of see how her mindset develops. But right. even still, you don't... She, she's an asshole, and you don't want her to be. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's what she sort of learns at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and the... Uh... Uh, oh, by the way, sorry, I skipped over this, but when the guy is going through the house and, like, uncovering all the windows, I just really like his performance. I think he's really good. Like, there's moments where he's like, look, look, show the baby. Like, he's genuinely yeah. like, it's so cool. Like, I want everybody to see. Like, the baby should see this. It'd be radical. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I really like that performance. Um, but, like, and that's the thing. It's like, I feel like the biggest themes of this movie are about, like, parenting and quality of life. And how you raise your kids and what sort of lives you want to build for them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but they don't do anything with it until, like, the last half hour. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, the last half hour, all that stuff comes out. And it's and a it's lot really of really good. interesting and really nuanced points. Yeah, it's cool. But it still, like, comes out of nowhere. You're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is what this movie's about. Okay. Yeah. It took the whole movie to get there. But when you get there, you feel like the whole beginning of the movie wasn't really needed exactly yeah um and uh, the pop tart bit is so sweet i really like that, that is, i really like that scene gag um also uh one of the crazy guys that they fight at the end was uh david das uh uh i have no idea how to pronounce his last name wow but he's the guy in ant-man who says the baba yaga Oh. And uh, he's the he's the guy in the Dark Knight that they take down at the parade when he tries to shoot the mayor. You know the guy? No. No, well, he's like in it for like a second. Anyway, he's just really good and he deserves better. He gets such tiny roles. I thought the Joker I, shot the mayor. Um, maybe I can picture. You know the scene where they grab the guy and they like put him in the back of the van and he's like and they're like who are you and he like kind of weirdly licks his lips and. But then it's anyway, the it's Joker. that guy, David Desmalshane. Well, no, there's it's like not the a Joker. guy. No, because the Joker's dressed up as a soldier, and then there's a guy at the window, and he's the guy at the window, right? No. No. He's not the guy at the window. He's down on the ground. Oh. I Desmalshane. thought that was the Joker. No, that was the Joker. It's not the Joker. I don't Without know. his makeup on. No, there's that one shot of the Joker turning around, but there's yeah. like a different guy that they apprehend at the end of the scene. Okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it, because I don't remember the Dark Knight very well. Well, he's also the guy with the funny accent in Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, funny accent. <laughs> and he's very good, and I just think he deserves better. Um, deserves more. And, I don't know, I, I just, I don't know, I like the way that they deal with the flash-forward and flashbacks in this movie. Yeah. Because, uh, like, it's really cool when, like, they get that phone call, it's like, there's a community or whatever... Uh, and you see her be like, uh, no way. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. You know, even when you know <laughs> that she's going to at the end, and it makes you wonder, like, what's going to happen between then and now? There's only, like, 20 minutes left of the movie. What, 
Like, yeah. what's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back on this? I think the I thought movie's that was just smart. starting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I just have written down. Uh, these blindfolds are awfully transparent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, we skipped a thing from earlier when we were talking about the pregnancies. I love the scene where the babies just get born because it's so clearly that they just, like, rub some jelly on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying attention to that, but I don't think That's all I wanted. Well, because I hate pregnancy horror, and I thought that's what they were going to do, so I was, like, ready to jump out of there at any second. So you have when a it was very just, like, warped idea of what horror movies are going to do, I feel like. Well, I thought they were just going to do... This whole movie is people killing themselves in gross ways, so I thought she was going to, like, rip the baby out of her or something. But okay. then they just, like, pull out the babies, and it's fine. They just got, like, jelly on their heads. So I was like, okay, <laughs> we're good. It's fine. We've got jelly props. Um, and uh, <laughs> this is just something that I think is funny. Like, I, I totally get the whole boy-girl thing. I think it's actually a really smart storytelling decision. But, like, that moment where she's, like, alone in the woods and she's just like, boy, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just really funny to watch. <laughs> that whole scene <laughs> in the woods was really, really good, though. Yeah, it was. Like, even though I'm laughing at it, it was very good. And, like, the line where she says, don't take my children, like, oh, yeah. that was super rough. Um, And I gotta say, I appreciate a happy ending in a movie like this. Yeah. Like, so often these sorts of movies, like, go for something really grim and, you know, they say something about society and it's, yeah. like, really dark. We're and, all doomed. You know, they die at the end or or if they don't die at the end, then they're, like, trapped and they're gonna die or something like that. But this yeah. one is just like, yeah, you know what? It, it kind of works out in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. I appreciate that. I feel like we don't do enough of that in, in this day and age. I guess what was strange to me about the end of this movie is that I felt like it was really effective, but, like, I don't know. I feel like they never, like, eased you into the happy ending. It wasn't, like... There wasn't a moment of transition. It was just, like, we're in the building, everything's fine, we got past it, we're good, we're <laughs> right, done. Yeah. I wish there would have been, like... And there is a little bit where they, like, check their eyes and stuff and keep their blindfolds on for, like, a minute. But then it's just like, time to let the birds go. We're fine. Go be, go re into society, children. This isn't going to yeah. fuck you up for the rest of your lives. <laughs> I don't know. What what would you have liked them to do differently? I don't know. It just, well, you agree. It just seems weird. I feel like they kind of just like, and it's, and we're good. We're fine. Like, I don't know. I wish there would have been like a moment of like transition or something. I, I'm not sure I really get what you mean. Because to me, it's like. You know, that's the that's the relief. They're worried to find out if it's going to be okay or not when they get there. And the answer turns out to be yes. Like, the, all the suspense is, like, the whole movie building up to what, you know, what is this is colony? Are they, is yeah. it a trap or is it or the real deal? And then, you know, it's suspenseful, but then you get the release. You get the answer. The answer is yes, it's the real deal. Yeah. I do like that moment where they meet the doctor from earlier and she's like, oh, what are their names? And they're like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, your name is um, your mom's name, and your name is uh, your dad's name. And it's like, okay, cool, we did it. (laughs) I still think it was a little bit lame that the doctor was there. It's like, I don't know, I don't have a good reason for her not to be there, but it just seemed a little too too pithy for me at the end. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, like I said, it's so much... Kids these days, you know, everything has to be so dark and gritty. 
And I don't mean that in, like, a dark, gritty reboot kind of way. I just mean, like, whenever you're telling a serious story, we've sort of shied away from the happy ending being a valid ending, you know? Yeah. Like, every serious story you tell has to have some sort of, you know, either bittersweet or just straight-up sad, bitter Bitter. (laughs) ending. Uh, And I feel like, you know... Not that we should never, ever do things like that, but, like, every once in a while it's okay to, like, have a story like that that does have kind of a happy ending, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that came from, in reality, there started to, I don't know, happy endings don't happen as much. Right. Not to be like, the world is horrible and we're all doomed and society is crumbling. Not to be like that, but, like, I don't know. The happy endings that we saw in like classic film just don't happen in real life that's just not the right. way real life it works so there was this transition where there was like okay fine then no happy endings it's gonna be just like reality but like <laughs> right, reality yeah. isn't no happy endings either like i don't know yeah i feel like the most realistic version is those kind of like small victories happy moments and sometimes there are happy right. endings it's not mm-hmm. sweeping orchestral running off into the sunset but it's still a happy ending right yeah yeah, yeah for sure any, any final thoughts? Any any summations about Bird Box? Mallory? <laughs> I don't have any. Okay. Wow, that's a very... <laughs> Put a lot of weight on that joke that you have to be a listener <laughs> of a different podcast to understand. I just thought it was hilarious. It's the exact same cadence, the way she says it. Link in the description to the joke that Adeline's referencing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then do you have your secondary thing ready, or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Um, I, today, am going to talk about uh, a comic book series that's been coming out for a little bit more than a year now called uh, The Immortal Hulk, which is, like, just straight up, like, one of the best comic books that Marvel's put out in a really, really long time. Um, basically, uh... Over the last few years, they've done some different things with the Hulk. Um, when Marvel did their big 2015 relaunch, where they stopped every book and started everything over from number one all at once, you know, which mm-hmm. they kind of do pretty much every year, but this one year specifically, they made a conscious effort to stop every single book they were running and start all of them over from number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they did that, there was no Hulk series. Or, well, I should say there was a Hulk series. There wasn't a Bruce Banner Hulk series. And it was this big mystery. Like, where's where's Bruce Banner? Where's the Hulk? Like, you know, it wasn't, like, explained immediately. It was, like, a mystery. Um, and the person who was the Hulk in the meantime was Amadeus Cho, who's this character Marvel's had for a really long time, who's, like, a 14-year-old boy uh, mm-hmm. who is, like, a super genius. Because for some reason, you know, Marvel has this whole thing that they do where they're like, I'm the third most intelligent person in the world. Like, there's, for some reason, this canon ranking of the most intelligent people in the world that all the characters within the story know, which I've never understood. And, like, like three of them are always teenagers. Yeah, it's like Tony Stark, and then... Reed Richards. No, it's What's-Her-Face with the Dinosaur. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what her name is, but Moon Girl. Yeah, Moon Girl. Well, yeah, I don't know, for a long time it was, like, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Hank Pym, 
And then, like, in the last few years, everyone was like, um, now Riri Williams and Amadeus Cho and that eight-year-old girl. Like, for some reason, there needed this yeah. to be this, like, upheaval where it's, like, all of a sudden well, like, all these like, for some reason, pre-teens. being the smartest was, like, the most important value in being yeah. a superhero for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, you but don't yeah. get to blow things up. You got a 250 on your SAT test. <laughs> no, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, what that means is that, like, for, you know, it was probably about three years that comic book ran with Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hulk, which is, you know, traditionally a pretty intense story, was, like, really breezy and really fun and, you know, sort of goofy. Uh, and it was pretty good, but, you know, it sort of felt a little bit off sometimes because it was like I kind of miss you know having the old Hulk and the old Hulk stories um and then during the Civil War 2 crossover uh they revealed that Bruce Banner just hid himself away and uh Clint Barton Hawkeye ends up shooting him and killing him and for all you know the Hulk is dead um but (laughs) at the beginning of this Immortal Hulk series they reveal that the Hulk can never be killed and it's horrifying (laughs) oh Um, yeah because you know it's not like a oh he's invincible and nobody can beat him it's like Mm -hmm. uh bruce banner is in hell and nothing he can ever do will ever give him a release from the hulk (laughs) um yeah and so this series starts that's just all about him it's basically just taking the hulk and turning it away from action and turning it towards horror and mm-hmm. it's genuinely super scary. There's a uh, a page in the first issue of this that I think I've shown you before, where uh, there's this kid who like robs a drugstore and like shoots somebody in the process, and he starts running out, and the Hulk is outside, and you go from like you know a regular segmented panels to the next page, it's like a whole two page layout that's just the Hulk taking up the whole two pages. And he says, Mm -hmm. like, where are you going or something? And the kid says something. And then you turn the page and the next page, the whole giant two pages is just a close-up on the Hulk's face with no borders or anything. It just stretches all the way to the edge of the page. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just makes him feel, like, so huge and scary and, like, imposing and, like, genuinely, like, made me afraid of the Hulk. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. which hasn't ever really happened before. And it goes in so many wild places. Uh, I haven't said yet, it's written by Al Ewing, and drawn by a guy named Joe Bennett, who's great. Um, and it's just this super, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a person that's always into super dark and gritty comic books, but, like, taking the Hulk and making him, like, super scary and violent and making the Hulk something that is not exciting is scary. And every time he comes out, you feel bad for Bruce Banner. It's not fun mm-hmm. when the Hulk comes out. It's like, this shouldn't be happening. And I, I yeah. just want what's best for Bruce Banner, you know? Yeah. I think the um, best Hulk stories are the ones that talk about Bruce Banner, or at least the relationship between Hulk and Banner. Because yeah, when sure. you just have the Hulk, I feel like, I don't know, there's no stakes. It's the Hulk. He's going to run through a building, and I don't care. But if it's Bruce Banner seen at a meeting, and then suddenly a guy shoots him, then it's like, well, oh shit, the Hulk's going to happen. So I don't know. <laughs> right, I feel like yeah. Well, if you separate those two things, I feel like you kind of lose, like, a huge part of the Hulk's story and what makes mm-hmm. the Hulk so interesting. Right. And the Hulk is one of those characters that, like, depending on who's writing it, has, like, a totally different set of rules. <laughs> um, which is fine. That's just the way comic books work. But mm-hmm. uh, 
this uh, this series makes a really big deal out of the like original rules that like Stan Lee wrote because like it's kind of weird and not a lot of people know about it was that like at first in like the early early Hulk comics it was like a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde like Hulk would come out at sunset at night. Oh, um, okay. Uh, and that, those are not exactly, but those are like loosely sort of the rules that they stick to in this one about yeah. like Bruce Banner, like having to get things done during the day before the Hulk comes out at night. Um, and they play the Hulk is really intelligent in this one, not yeah. like in a super genius kind of way, but just like yeah. as a guy with thoughts and feelings that talks and is scary and it yeah. makes him so much scarier that he can like really articulate himself in that well, way. Well, it's kind of like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, pretty much. Um, this is not even, like, broken English, though. It's literally, like, he just, like, has conversations with people. Have you read Frankenstein? I haven't read it, no. Okay, because when the monster finds Victor, he literally just, like, gives this, like, monologue about his life struggles, and it's hilarious. Oh, anyway, yeah. continue. <laughs> Does he speak in, like, broken English or anything, or is it No, just... he speaks super eloquently, because oh, he was okay. taught by, like, these, like... Basically, he eavesdropped on, like, these English noble people until he learned the language. Right. Okay, well then, yeah, I guess it is sort of like that. Um, anyway, yeah, and there's the thing that's been happening in the most recent few issues that I think is super cool, where he basically gets, like, all of his power sucked out of him. So there's Oh, all that these panel panels. you showed me that's horrible and such. Yeah, uh, there's these panels of the Hulk, but he's, like, super, like, skinny and scrawny, and there's all this, like, loose skin hanging off of him because all the muscles got sort of pulled out of his body. Um, there's one issue where... Uh, a scientist, like, takes him captive and, like, chops him into pieces and dissects him. But then, like, he's still alive, and at night, when he turns into the Hulk, all of the, like, pieces of him, like, bust out of the jars and, like, reform in the middle of the room, and it's super creepy. Uh, Gross. It's a super good comic book series. Uh, it's Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. It's one of my favorite comic books that's come out in a really long time, and I can't... I, I want more people to read it, because it's so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my thing. What do you have for us this week, Adeline? Well, so right now, while we we're recording, in Steven Universe, it is the Diamond Days event, which isn't... I'm not sure if it's the finale or not, but it's this event in Steven Universe, where it's, it's the whole series has basically been building up to where we're on Homeworld and all those stuff, so all this crazy stuff is happening within the story. So I thought today I would talk about the Steven Universe art book, because it's one of my favorite things that I own. Uh, so, Steven Universe is a TV show on Cartoon Network. It's a cartoon. I don't know if I would explain what Steven Universe is, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, it's a story about Steven, who has a magical crystal gem, and protects humans in the world with his three friends, Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet, who are all aliens with crystal powers who try to save the world. And then, more plot ensues with the home world that they're from, and we meet more gems like Lapis and Peridot. And we learn about fusions, which are two gems combined, and we learn what Garnet is. So that's just, like, the basic plot of the show. Okay, super quick. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a public air, airing of grievances with Steven Universe. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very 100% sure that the gem is pronounced Peridot, not Peridot. Oh, look at this. I think it is Peridot. That's a weird thing to call a person, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I know because it's my birthstone, so. <laughs> well, I'm Ruby, and they pronounce that right, so. <laughs> I guess I just okay, can't hold relate. On. Peridot pronunciation. I'm going to look like a huge ass if I'm wrong about this. <laughs> Listen, you Claude. <laughs> okay, YouTube video pronunciation book, how to pronounce Peridot. 
Oh, this person says Peridot. <laughs> idiot. Who's the Claude now? <laughs> Peridot says Claude a lot. That's the joke. Oh. Apparently there's some dispute about this, actually. Like, sc- scholarly dispute. Oh. It says, most gem and jewelry tradesmen use Peridot, and there are some... And some are very definite in calling the dot form as incorrect. If you believe dictionaries and encyclopedias, however, <laughs> you have to conclude they are being nearsighted. So I guess, like, geology professionals say peridot, but, like, Everyone the real else. thing is peridot. <laughs> the real dictionary <laughs> way to do it is peridot. That's so weird. Okay, sorry, continue. So I have, I got the art book, the art book, the art book. <laughs> I'm going to start over. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackson so, McMurray. <laughs> no, <laughs> after that. <laughs> but so I got the art book for Steven Universe, and it's honestly just an amazing book. It's got so much concept art, but like even beyond that, it's got like character designs before Rebecca Sugar even pitched the show. It's got like the process of the character design of the main characters. It has storyboards from episodes, which is awesome because that's what I want to do. It talks about the writing process for episodes. There's tons of concept art and like cells and all the stuff in it and it's super cool. It just really shows you like the inside look of like the whole process of making the show and I think it's just first of all it's a beautiful book. The cover is so pretty. All the pages are just, like, full of art and writing, and it's really fun and good to look at. Uh, I'm just flipping through it and looking at great pictures, which doesn't really help because this is an audio medium, but... (laughs) Wow, check this out. That's so cool. Yeah, look at this, viewers. But, like, it just, like, takes you... First of all, it just shows you just, like, how much drawing they had to do to make Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, four whole giant pages of just, like, concept art for Pearl. And it's, like, all these different poses, all these different personalities, all these different looks that she could have had. And, like, after they figured out what she looked like, what was she going to wear? Was she going to change what she wore? Would she just have one outfit all the time? How did she emote? What would it look like if she did emote? Like, it just shows you, like, how much work goes into something like this. And it's just, it's just really nice. I think if you are interested... In art, just in general, I think you should really check it out. Especially if you're interested in TV shows, and especially cartoons, I think it's an awesome thing to have. But if you love Steven Universe, this book is awesome. Because it has all the characters and all their origins and the whole thought process before behind what they were doing. And it is... I don't want to say it's out of date, because that's wrong. It doesn't have stuff about like the diamonds in it, because that would have been spoilers when it came out. Right, yeah. But it's That's got the thing about art books like that is like there was a big art book that came out for a series of unfortunate events a little while ago, like right after the second of three seasons came out, which I yeah. thought was just the dumbest thing in the world. Like why, you know, there's gonna be three seasons, and the third season is coming out pretty soon, but you jumped the gun and came out with a production book before it yeah. was over. I think that's dumb. Sorry, I don't know if that's not necessarily the same thing with Steven Universe, but... Yeah, because it's, like, an ongoing thing. Yeah, with Series yeah. of Fortune events, like, there was a set number of things that they were gonna do, so I don't know why they didn't just wait, but yeah. But there's <laughs> stuff about... It's not terribly out of date. There's stuff with Stevani in it, which is a pretty new character. Uh, they, t- they show you, like, the backgrounds that they use and animate over, which is really cool. It's just a really interesting book to read. Especially because a lot of it is written by the Steven Universe crew and by Rebecca Sugar. It's just so cool 
to get like the first hand experience of making the show and dealing with Cartoon Network. But yeah, it's really interesting. I think if you like animation and art, you should check it out. It's the Steven Universe art book. Cool Written stuff. by okay. Chris McDonald, forward by Rebecca Sugar, an introduction by Gendy Tartakovsky. Oh, Gendy Tartakovsky. He's the guy who did uh, Samurai Jack and Dexter's oh, Laboratory. Yeah. And yeah, he so directs the Hotel Transylvania movies, which I had no idea. So um, you know that it's good. I still need to yeah. watch the Hotel Transylvania movies. We should do one on those. Yeah. He also wrote like a four-issue Luke Cage series that was that mm-hmm. was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, okay, so uh, before we start to wrap up, I just wanted to say that uh, it looks like we might be moving this podcast to more of a bi-weekly schedule. Because um, I have college. Yeah, well, okay. I also have college. <laughs> and you don't, Jackson. Um, but uh, as a result, there's probably going to be... I mean, look, it'll still be at least like four weeks between me saying this right now and us running out of podcasts to put on the channel. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, in the next few weeks, we may or may not be uploading something different, whether that's something new that I make in that time or whether it's, um, you know, we have some old videos we made a while ago of uh, Adeline teaching me how to play Overwatch. Um, We've got some even older videos of us doing a Let's Play of Undertale, which may or may not ever see the light of day. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. We just recorded it like literally three years ago. Yeah, it's also true. Um, we did not beat that game. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of projects I might try out. I don't want to say too much in case I end up trying them and they suck and I don't want to do them. Uh, I don't want to get people too riled up because uh, I know that they will. They'll get so riled up. Our million um, subscribers. Yeah. But, you know, regardless, there might be something different coming up in the next couple of weeks. So just uh, brace yourself for that. Uh, I've decided... Uh, we used to do one-star reviews for our uh, sort of outros for this, but um, I decided I would much rather uh, do a five-star review instead because they're often equally funny, and I don't have to wade through so many posts that mad. bum me out so bad. <laughs> um, this one, I don't know. I've got a couple of options. Maybe I'll leave all of them in because I think some of them are very funny. <laughs> um, Just rapid fire. So here's one by Huma Khan, who says, To the people not getting the ending, I don't get you. The ending is so much deeper than anyone realizes, and I cried. That's in italics. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, this, is, this is a one-star review that I found before I got bummed out. Uh, it says, Half a star. This is hands down the second worst movie I've ever seen after Deadpool. <laughs> person (laughs) who doesn't like Deadpool and doesn't like Bird Box. (laughs) Uh, Okay, here's a good five-star review. Um, I was so jumpy the whole time watching this, and um, I skipped some parts because I just can't. Why did Tom must die? And gosh, what an ending. But overall, thanks. Loved it. (laughs) Thank you. Like, Thank just, you. Like, thanks at the end. Yeah. Like, she's thanking the makers of this movie. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks for making a movie, director. <laughs> okay, this is this final one. Um, this is five stars. Uh, Papa Bogey Reviews <laughs> says, Watched half of the movie. It was great. 
And they gave it five stars. They gave it five stars. <laughs> the first half, half of, of the movie isn't even the good part. <laughs> you can't not watch the last 20 minutes and be like, I watched Bird Box because you didn't. <laughs> watched half of it. Five stars. <laughs> right, I'm Jackson McMurray. And I'm Adeline McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. Get the fuck out. Wow, okay. <laughs> no, like the thing with the clubhouse door closing. Oh, I don't know if that's in a final podcast anymore. It might not be. Okay, we'll just start over. <laughs> just say something else funny, and I'll put it at the end. And there are no nerds allowed. Get out of here. Bazinga. Bitch. Okay, I'm just stop recording now. Okay, cool, it's fine. <laughs> I understand. I get it. <laughs> <laughs>